speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I used to be part of um, an Andram society, mostly musical theatre. But some shows that we performed were pro-am, so mostly people like myself who just loved performing, but one or two celebrities or famous people um, who would pull in the punters. So everybody in the cast and crew knew who the stars were. They were stars on the stage above and in the dressing rooms below. And that made a difference. They got the leading roles, they got the number one dressing room, uh, they got their words held up on props secretly so they didn't have to learn some of their words. They got paid and we didn't. They were actually really lovely and lots of fun to work with, but it made a difference that they were the stars and we weren't. In our reading today, Rahab declares, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So what I'd like us to consider this evening is what difference does it make to us that God is God in heaven above and on earth below, especially when there's a need of help or of rescue? And we're going to cover three points. Firstly, that Rahab knew where to turn for help. Secondly, that God allowed Rahab to be the help. And thirdly, God allowed Rahab to bring forth help. But before we dive into that, I'd like to say just a few words about prostitution more generally in the Bible. This might not be something that you've thought over, but this is, this is the second time that I've preached on this reading, so I've thought quite carefully about it. Um, I used to work in a centre supporting survivors of sexual violence and particularly women who'd been involved in prostitution. And so I have a little bit of an insight as to what street prostitution looks like. You'll notice uh, this evening that I will be talking about prostituted women or women in prostitution rather than sex workers because I don't believe prostitution is an informed career choice. Um, I see it as exploitation and abuse. Adult survivors of child sexual abuse are disproportionately represented within um, women in prostitution. They may well also have experienced domestic abuse and it's very possible that their partner is the person pimping them out. So if we understand street prostitution to be exploitation, then I believe God's heart towards those women is a heart of compassion for the oppressed. But how does that sit with other references to prostitution within the Bible? Prostitution is often used as an illustration of unfaithfulness and it's dealt with criticism and with judgment towards the woman. So how do we make sense of these two things? So what I found was um, in the Old Testament there are two words which are used, um, we translate as being prostitute or prostitution. Um, the first of them has three different meanings, so quite elastic meaning. So one of the meanings could be um, any kind of sexual immorality or marital unfaithfulness. Um, the second could be street prostitution. And the third could be temple prostitution and idolatry. 
The other word that's used only means temple prostitution and idolatry. So, I suspect when the Bible uses prostitution as an allegory of um, Israel's unfaithfulness to God, it probably relates either to the idea of marital unfaithfulness or of temple prostitution and therefore idolatry, rather than street prostitution. So that, to me, then begins to make a bit more sense for us that God would use that picture of prostitution with regard to Israel's unfaithfulness towards him. And so then I think we can hold the idea of God being compassionate to the oppressed in terms of women in street prostitution. That probably wasn't a battle for you at all, but it was for me, so I wanted to get it sorted out. Okay, so let's move on to our first point. Rahab knew where to turn for help. One of the things that I've pondered as I've been preparing for this evening is why it was that the other people in Jericho, when they heard about the Israelites, didn't respond as Rahab did. We know that they all knew about God, but Rahab is remembered because of her faith. In Hebrews 12, a few years ago, we we worked through a series on Hebrews 12, didn't we? And Rahab was one of the people celebrated because of her faith in God. But according to Rahab's account, all of Jericho believed in God. Believing in God doesn't seem to be enough. We read in James that even the demons believe in God and tremble. Rahab knows that the God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And because of that, he is the one to turn to for help. He is her source of help. She believes that God is powerful enough to have a full picture from heaven as to what's going on, to be able to ordain a rescue plan, but also powerful enough on earth to carry out his plans and purposes. And knowing that, she's willing to humble herself and ask for help. But above that, she asks the spies to show her kindness. For those of you who are Hebrew scholars, you'll have to excuse my pronunciation of this word, but it's a word, hesed, which is a really big concept for us to try to translates into one word in English. But we're thinking about the idea of loving kindness, but it captures something much broader. Mercy, loyalty, faithfulness, committed, covenantal love. This kindness that she's asking for is love without an exit plan. It's a really big request to make. And we must remember that Rahab hasn't been brought up going to Sunday school. Her knowledge of God is actually pretty limited, and yet she knows enough to know that she can appeal to God for mercy, for loving kindness. She may not know a lot about God, but she knows enough to know that he's the kind of God who will help her. I wonder if we hold that same view of God ourselves. When we think of God as being God in heaven above and on earth below, we think about his character, his nature, his heart 
towards us. That really matters, doesn't it? That sense of committed covenantal love towards us. So secondly, God allowed Rahab to be the help. I wonder how many of you remember the film Pretty Woman. Remember it? A few nods, a few. Yeah, okay. So in this film, Julia Roberts plays a woman in prostitution. And she meets a very rich man, Richard Gere. Now let me tell you, Pretty Woman is worlds away from the reality the distress, the trauma, the despair of street prostitution. But that's what they're saying they're depicting. The film ends with Richard Gere climbing up a tower, well, a fire escape, and rescuing Julia Roberts. What we see actually is the marginalised being rescued by the exploiter, the buyer of sex. And he says to her, once he's climbed up, he says, so what does the prince do? What does the princess do once she's been rescued? And she says, oh, she rescues him right back. It might surprise us to see that when God writes his story about a woman in prostitution, he does something a bit different. If we go right back to the beginning and we think about when God created woman, God describes her as being a a corresponding or a fitting help to Adam. And that word help, Ezra or Ezra, is only used either in that creation story to describe woman, but then it's it's used to describe a military force or to describe God Himself. So this idea of Ezer or Ezra is a powerful help. And we see dotted through the Bible these inspiring Ezers, some of which you'll be covering in this series, I'm sure. So Shipra and Pua, the wives who saved the Israelite babies when Pharaoh had ordered them to be murdered. Esther, who risked her life for her people. Deborah, a judge who leads Israel into battle. Jael, who gruesomely um, destroys the enemy by hammering a tent peg through his temple. Huldah, whose prophecy leads Israel to repentance, a bit like revival. And of course, Rahab, who saves the spies and enables the attack on Jericho to be so effective. But here's the thing. Our miracle-working God could have saved those spies in any way he wanted to. He didn't need Rahab. Remember, Rahab has very much standing against her. She's a Gentile, so she's not part of Israel. She's a woman, but even worse than that, she's a woman in prostitution. But God, in his convention-busting way, casts Rahab as the rescuer. The marginalized is the one doing the rescuing and it is only after she's done her part that the others get to rescue her right back. One of the phrases you might have heard recently when we've been thinking about women um, in football 
is that idea of having to see it to be it, the idea that it's been hard for girls growing up to see themselves as being professional football players because when they watch football on TV, they're seeing men playing football. Now, hopefully, girls will be able to see that it's a possibility. Playing football professionally is a possibility for girls just as much as it is for boys. I think God places stories like Rahab's in the canon of scripture to really pin stuff down for us. We will be tempted to trust in our own performance. We will qualify or disqualify ourselves and possibly others too based on what we have done or not done. People struggled with the idea of Rahab, a prostituted woman, as a biblical hero. And actually, quite early on in church history, um, Josephus, a first century historian, tried to say, she's not a woman in prostitution, she's an innkeeper. But most scholars would say, that really doesn't hold water. God could have chosen anyone to help the spies. He chose Rahab very deliberately. We see by the language used that she definitely has a sexual history which is far from ideal for a biblical hero. So, if you are someone who might be tempted to disqualify yourself from serving God because of your history, Rahab's story allows us to see it to be it. Rahab is a clear demonstration for us that our past performance doesn't disqualify us from taking part in God's plans. Neither does a lack of personal power because it's about God, isn't it? It's God's character, God's performance, God's power that makes the difference. In the discernment process, when people are considering whether God might be calling them to ordained ministry, one of the things that they'll say regularly is, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And that's really important because it's not about us, it's about him. God, in his grace and mercy, allows us to be the help, but we can only do that because of him, because he is God in heaven above and on earth below. Lastly then, God allowed Rahab to bring forth help. This is such a beautiful story. God brings Rahab into his family then and there. If you have a look at Joshua uh, chapter 6, verse 25, it says, and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So she didn't just help them once and then disappeared. She was integrated within their community. Here we see the outworking of that plea for hesed, for covenantal love. God commits to Rahab long-term through his people. If ever you felt like an outsider, 
I imagine you know something of the power of being brought within. That healing power of being included. In my 20s um, at church, there was a group of slightly younger um, young women. And they were all very fun-loving, attractive, trendy girls. And And I was very serious and not very trendy. I knew lots of positive things about myself, but one thing that I was acutely aware of was I was not one of the trendy girls at church. Now, I remember ministering on one of our women's encounter weekends away, and I sat with this group one evening, and they were all wearing what at the time was a real craze, toe socks, you know the socks where each toe has an individual separate covering, it's really quite something. Um, Anyway, that was the latest craze at that point, and they were all sporting their toe socks, and I said, oh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was saying, all the trendy girls at church wear toe socks. And one of the group, very kindly, but not very honestly, said, oh, come on, you're trendy, and we all laughed awkwardly. But when we gathered um, together for the following session, the girls came over to me with a gift. (laughs) They'd brought me some toe socks. Such a small thing, but it communicated so much. We don't have to be the same. Our character, our calling, our giftings, our personalities, our struggles, our history, that, they will all be different. But there's something greater that connects us. We don't have to be on the outside looking in. God wants to bring us within his family, within his plans and purposes. But even more than God bringing Rahab within at that point, God allowed her to be part of his cosmic rescue plan. She's part of the lineage of Jesus. She's listed in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. She has a son called Boaz, who you'll come across, or perhaps you've already come across at the point that you cover Ruth. Boaz and Ruth are great grandparents of King David. One of my guilty pleasures is a daytime TV program called Murder, Mystery and My Family. I love it. And they get descendants of someone who was convicted of murder a long time ago, and often um, they... Face the, face the death sentence because of, of what they were accused of. And they have two lawyers who look into each of those cases to see whether there was a miscarriage of justice. But often the families will describe such shame, even generations on, that nobody talks about this thing because it's so awful. Everyone's so embarrassed about having something like that within their family. God is not ashamed to call Rahab his own, even to the point of weaving her into his family tree. She's a woman with a history, and God writes her into his own history, unashamed. Our God is the God of heaven above and earth below. But there came a point 
where that became true in a very physical way. That genealogy points towards that pivotal moment when Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth, walked upon the earth, and then was lifted up from the earth upon the cross, shaking the earth as he gave up his spirit. He was buried, he was raised from death to life and was taken up from the earth back into heaven. And all of that in order that he might be our great and powerful help, our great and powerful rescue. He came to set us free from the oppression of sin and bring us newness of life, a fresh start, so that we can be brought within, adopted into his family. This is the great and powerful help that we all need. Not just the Rahabs of this world, but every single one of us, no matter how sorted we think our life might be, we are all in desperate need of this help. We all need this liberation. We all need to be brought within. In my privileged, educated, middle-class, developed world kind of life, I need Jesus every bit as much as Rahab does. But the beautiful thing is I can rejoice alongside Rahab in the wonderful truth, the wonderful truth that this helpful and rescuing God, my God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your desire to bring us within. We thank you for that amazing rescue plan that enables us to know forgiveness, to know restoration, to know close relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would draw us ever deeper, reveal your heart to us more and more, that we might know just how much you love us, that we might know this hesed, this loving kindness, covenantal love, Lord. Would you engrave that upon our hearts, that we would be left in no doubt about your heart towards us. Have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.